This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. The accord in Paris last November was seen as an important step in trying to get a handle on climate change. But since then, we haven't heard much on the subject at the global level. So the question is, what is the state of the move to improve climate change? Wharton professors Erwan Michel Kurjan and Howard Kunruther both focus on this issue. They are also two of the people behind the Risk Management and Decision Processes Center here at the Wharton School, and they join us, uh, both of them do, on the phone. Erwan Howard, great to catch up with you both. Good morning. Good morning, Dan. Nice to be with you. Thank you. Uh, Howard, am I right that this, this seems to be a little bit of an issue that got so much attention back in November, but seemingly hasn't made a lot of, uh, a lot of motion since? Yes, absolutely, Dan. In fact, I think that's the, the principal point that uh, I think one has to make here, and I appreciate your having us on, the phone, uh, on the, your show. Uh, I think we really need to have a dialogue with the, the two candidates with respect to how they feel about climate change uh, and their recognition that there is a lot that we know about it that should be at least put on the table as part of this dialogue. Erwin? Uh, yeah, no, Howard said right. I think if you if you look at that at the uh, uh, at the level of the uh, the U.S. at least through the uh, presidential election process, uh, that may be the uh, the topic that has been less um, discussed by the both candidates. And obviously, we we know too well uh, how they diverge <laughs> on the topic. So uh, we can we can talk a little bit more about that. But uh, yeah, a lot of effort happening there. Uh, back in December, uh, that said, uh, we also know that some of these uh, agreements are signed, and then uh, back to the teams at uh, the country level back home to uh, to do the work. And these things happen over time. But you know, as far as the uh, election campaign goes, uh, not much about uh, discussion about climate change or climate risk or environmental issues, more generally speaking. Did you expect that that? You know, it's been what uh, eight, seven, eight months uh, since the since the uh, the meetings in Paris. Did you expect to hear more about this or one, whether it be here in the United States or whether it be in, in other parts of the world? On the one hand, the answer is yes, because I was fairly positive. Uh, everybody celebrated, you know, a move in the right direction. Uh, at the same time, uh, we also heard the candidates. Uh, talk about what they believe to be uh, more important, and you know the economy has been uh, dominating the uh, the discussion here. Uh, international, national, international security, given terrorist uh, attack around the world, and events here in the U.S. So, obviously, the uh, environmental issue has been uh, somewhat uh, somewhat pushed on the sideline uh, so far. How- Howard. Well, I'm not that surprised, frankly, Dan. I think this climate change issue has been very, very controversial in, as we know, in Congress, and uh, there hasn't been an uh, an effort made to have a very, very informed discussion. Uh, on the other hand, I think what we do know is, and there are lots of studies done by Anthony Lysowitz has done a continues to do studies and surveys that are are, are well known now. I think among the the research. 
community, that the general public is really concerned about climate change. And in that sense, I'm a bit surprised, because one would think that if there is a greater concern, there would be a discussion of the issue on the table. But I think there's controversy uh, in terms of what goes on within the parties themselves. We're having these two conventions now. It'll be interesting to see whether or not climate change even gets addressed in the Republican convention, because we know there are differences among the Republicans with respect to that. And if they want unity, it's likely that probably that may not be discussed, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few days. And because so many people are concerned about it uh, and talk about it, and it, it, it almost feels, Howard, a little bit like the politicians want to stay away from it because they consider it to be a, a little bit of a, of a topic that is too hot to handle. It's almost you know like throwing a grenade into the room. Well, it is too hot to handle today. It's 95 <laughs> degrees. Well, that's true, uh, too. Yeah, in, exactly. In, in Philadelphia, and people are clearly uh, thinking about the fact that it is warm. They shouldn't necessarily be thinking that is specifically due to climate change, but they are recognizing at least that they're hotter days. But I think you're right in the sense that they may feel that when they bring this issue up, they're going to be uh, dealing with a hot potato. And in that sense, they may want to avoid it. I think we've heard a little bit of this uh, 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 from some of the candidate, you know, some discussion, but very, very little. Uh, and I don't think we have to get into the details on what each of the candidates have to say. Rather, I'd like to make the point, and I think everyone I know feels the same way, that it is really important to recognize that there is scientific data here that should be put on the table on what we know and also what we don't know about yeah. climate change so we can have a much more informed discussion. Erwan? Uh, no, true. Uh, if we, I mean, what's interesting though, if we step back a little bit, there was, uh, I think, there was back in 2009, um, a, a letter signed by maybe a dozen of, of executive business leaders that was published in the New York Times, uh, asking President Obama to do actually much more to preserve planet Earth and to fight climate change. Interestingly, uh, Donald Trump was one of the people who signed that letter. That was back in 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when you hear what he has to say, but I think uh, he's saying, well, a few things, including, well, climate change was really something that was a priority for the Obama administration. Uh, I have other priorities, you know, nuclear proliferation, terrorism are more important to me than climate change. Uh, so that's one interesting change in, in perspective, but also the fact that, uh, you know, maybe for him at least, uh, and he's right, but the administration has done a lot to push the climate change uh, discussion. And, uh, you know, new, le- new legislation has been passed as a success of the Paris Agreement. is largely due to, obviously, the French doing their work, but also behind the scene, uh, that relationship between the U.S. and China, making sure that there is, a, there is an agreement here. So all of that combined uh, give us an interesting mix, and we're mid-July and a few months to go. But uh, as Howard said, it will be interesting to see whether the topic of, you know, whether it's climate change or climate disasters generally. I mean, look at California yep. now yep. going into its fifth uh, year of, of statewide uh, drought. These uh, are some of the uh, some of the very clear uh, realizations so far. And, and finally, before we, uh, we turn back to your original question, the reality also is that on the one hand, people are asking for more work to be done in that space. At the same time, we know too well, and we study that at the center, the fact that people react to events that have happened. So no right. major hurricanes happened in the U.S. since uh, Superstorm Sandy in 2012. Well, that climate disaster topic is, you know, somewhere out there, but not 
as recent as uh, if something had just happened yesterday. Your co- let, let me Go add ahead, a point to what Erwan has just been saying, uh, Dan. Um, for, I, I think it is important to recognize that Obama has done a great deal for climate change, and that may be one of the reasons why uh, this is uh, not being discussed explicitly by the Republicans per se, but right. he has taken some steps. Uh, he has supported the par- Paris Agreement, as we know. He's had discussions with India and China with respect to things that could be done. And there's a lot that is happening here from that vantage point that really suggests that we aren't being uh, proactive. And there's a lot of data that suggests that uh, solar is now being more competitive than coal. And in that sense, that data could be put on the table. It doesn't have political traction on a lot of levels that we're all aware of in the context of this campaign. But it is a fact that there are things that are happening here. And as Erwan indicated, it is absolutely true that people do react to immediate things and things that are happening. Uh, a heat wave and a lot of hot weather may force people to, uh, and it may force uh, the parties to come to grips with some of this simply because people will be reacting to that. Not necessarily that they should say this is purely due to climate change, but we do know the climate is getting warmer and there's an awful lot of data that suggests that we need to pay attention to that. And we also know that there are more intense hurricanes when they occur. Uh, It's true that we haven't had a severe one since Sandy, uh, but the fact is uh, that we do know, and the climate scientists have lots of data that suggests that we need to pay attention to that, and that if we're going to think about sea level rise, we have to worry about these things in terms of what's going to happen in the coming years. And those things need to be discussed, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. in this in the coming months when we talk about what we should be thinking about for strategy with the new uh, uh, administration. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. would love to hear from you. Do you think that climate change should be a topic during the presidential election process? And do you feel that maybe if you are somebody that is behind the push to improve the efforts on climate change, is it being pushed to the side? 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Howard, I guess, is that a, a significant concern of yours that this will be pushed to the side, obviously, during this election process, but maybe even to a degree after we have a, a, a new president put in office? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, my uh, my hope is that it will not that it will be discussed in some form and that people uh, that it will be addressed. But I think if you would ask me to bet on whether or not that will happen, uh, I'm not sure I would put a lot of money on on that occurring because of just the things that we've been discussing. There is a concern about bringing up a controversial issue. There is the issue of fossil fuels and coal and the issue of jobs and other things that are associated with that that make this a bit of a challenge in terms of what is going to happen to employment and what is going to happen to an industry that clearly has employed people. And I think what we really are, uh, I think, faced with, and this is a common theme in the work that we're doing at the Wharton Risk Center is that there are these short-run considerations that seem to be dominating the agenda. And climate change is a longer-term problem that needs to be addressed now, and we're not putting it on the table because of the notion of what people might think would happen in the short run. And that, I think, is a major challenge uh, for uh, the the world and certainly for our country as we go forward. Erwan? 
no, I think these are good points. I mean, just look outside of the area. Oh, I think... Uh, shutting down the climate change department, the first thing she did. Right, <laughs> yeah. Prime Minister. Uh, to be fair to her, it's, it's more of a, you know, the changing names and, you know, shutting down activities. Uh, but that's happening in a country where uh, the overall population, I mean, overall majority of the population, believe in it, uh, they had massive floods uh, year and years again. So uh, the topic is pretty high on the agenda, yet one of the first moves she's doing as a new prime Erwan, we're losing your phone yeah. a little bit there. Uh, it, we'll see if we can reestablish with him. I, Erwan was talking about the move by the British government and Theresa May, uh, Howard, to uh, basically change the structure of, uh, of their climate change. They, they basically st- uh, cut one office and incorporated climate change within another sector. So it is seen as a move uh, of cutting something. I don't know if it truly is because I'm not sure how the new structure of this new department is going to play out. No, I, I, I wouldn't know what to say on something like that except to hope that it would stay high on the agenda with respect to the U.K. and other European countries. And I think Europe has paid more attention to climate change uh, than, we, than we have here in the U.S. And the Paris conference, which uh, obviously highlighted essentially the importance of this around the world, uh, indicated, I think, that uh, this is something that yeah. we have to pay attention to at a global level. And we'd hope that uh, uh, the U.K. will uh, follow suit and make sure that climate change is high. But I don't think we know enough yet as to what's going to happen, so I don't feel I'm competent to really uh, co- uh, to comment in terms of yeah. what uh, uh, Theresa May is actually planning to do. Erwan, your phone was going in and out, so let's go back and, and you can uh, uh, touch, on, touch on your points again. Uh, no, well, the point was just to stress what she has done uh, to echo what Howard just said. Uh, I, I, nobody knows whether it's you know, a political move or whether it's just a, a reshaping of the, uh, the entire department. Uh, but just the fact that she's taking out the name out of the department, I think, is an interesting, uh, interesting uh, political move, no, no question. But, you know, that just happened last week. Uh, the point I made earlier, though, if you move outside of the climate change institution, and if you think about what Europe just went through in the past few weeks, uh, between Brexit and uh, immigration and terrorist attacks, obviously, you know, there are other big issues to talk about. So uh, not to say that climate change is not important to her, but to say that, you know, obviously... At least right now, priorities may be a little bit different. But from what I understand and reading a couple of articles, I guess the U.N. is making it known uh, now because of that move uh, that they're focusing on Britain. And also, I guess, Germany as well, is that there may be a concern about Germany maybe sloughing off in terms of the agreements that, that have been put in place. Yeah, well, that's why agreements are agreements, but, you know, you need to follow up with that, and that's why we have uh, COPs every every year, COP21, COP22, uh, which will be later this year in, uh, in Marrakesh, uh, to make sure that it's not just people uh, saying they're going to do X, Y, Z, but actually there is an enforcement uh, issue here that uh, needs to, uh, need to be addressed. But coming back to the U.S., uh, that's also what I'm seeing, and the fact that other issues have been dominating the, uh, the discussion. And to be honest, it's also up to the media uh, during these uh, presidential interviews, I haven't heard many questions on the environment. So if the media start asking more questions, uh, the team behind the uh, two presidential, presidential soon-to-be nominee, I guess, uh, will start 
thinking a little bit more about what they have to say about environmental issues. We're talking with Erwan Michelle Kurjan, Howard Kunruther of the uh, Wharton School and the uh, Risk Management Decision Processes Center. Your comments are welcome at 844 Wharton, 844 942 7866. There was an interesting uh, set of articles that were run probably about a month, maybe a month and a half ago that we talked about on this show, uh, was about a lot of the low areas in and around New Orleans, which are already seeing uh, a rise in tide and a rise in, in level of ocean in that area and uh, quite a few of the uh, the locals that live out there and live almost free of contact from uh, from New Orleans and from the mainland they're being pushed out because of the rise of tide Howard and these are these are areas like this Miami is a focus uh, various parts of the United States coastline where there is a concern for what might happen to these these lands in the next 20 to 30 years. Right. No, that is a very important point that you're bringing up, Dan, because this is a problem that everyone is more aware of in areas like New Orleans and the state of Louisiana and Florida. And it's in these areas that there are that a great deal of attention is being given because of the fact that uh, people are concerned about what might happen uh, to their own homes, uh, to their property values, and also to essentially the economy of those states. Uh, Louisiana is a really good example of uh, a state that has actually made an effort to try to address this issue in the long term. And they have a program called 2080, where they are actually focusing on what might happen. It's hard to believe, I recognize, uh, that one is actually thinking about what might happen 65 or 64 years from now. But they feel that it's really important to put on the table the fact that they have to take steps now to deal with something in the future. And by titling it that, and then hopefully focusing on what could be done in the short term to address this, they will actually get uh, some steps taken. And they feel they can do this because of just the point that you made, that there is enough concern in in this state, and I think Florida is very similar in terms of thinking about these issues, because people recognize that there are problems that they are going to face, if not tomorrow, 5, 10, or 20 years from now. We're talking with uh, Erwan Michelle Kurjan, Howard Kunruther of the Wharton School. Your comments are welcome at 844-942-7866. Do you think that the issue of climate change should be one that should be brought up more during the presidential elections? 844-942-7866. I wanted to get your opinion, uh, both of you, and Erwan, I'll start with you, is even though this is a global issue, I read an article over the weekend that talked about the city of Bend, Oregon, and it is a city that relies a lot on uh, outdoor activity for tourism dollars and 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 financing the the local economy. What about the push of of local areas to address climate change issues? It, apparently, uh, Bend, Oregon, is looking to make a move to to get with its city council and get plans in place. How much of an effect do you think that that those types of moves, even at that type of a local level, can have for the United States? Well, no, that's a great question. I think it goes back to the, um, I think some of the uh, difficulty when we all talk about climate change, it's all, all often very abstract to uh, people listening to the show, for instance, and what part of climate change are we talking about? Are we talking about a ski resort that doesn't see uh, snow anymore, i.e. has to go bankrupt? 
are we talking about Miami seeing more museum flooding uh, year after year, i.e. the price of real estate become uh, dropping? So I think more and more uh, we're going to see smaller unit of analysis, so to speak, the city, the state to some extent, but, you know, cities generally uh, struggling with, with what's happening now. I mentioned California a few, uh, a few minutes ago. Because uh, for California, it's now what could happen in 2050. It's actually happening now. And I think that's been the uh, somewhat misleading discussion all of us had for many years about climate change, picturing that as something that will or may happen in 2100, when reality, the change is actually gradual and has been happening much faster than we, than we thought. Uh, the other challenge, of course, is that you, know, you can have very bad years in a row, and then one or two good years, and people tend to forget about it. But right. when you look at the data, it's not just looking at the data at a global level. It's asking ourselves, well, what does that mean for my community? Uh, and most of the time, it's, it's more about the adaptation side of the equation than on the um, on the. Uh, uh, mitigation, what climate scientists call mitigation, i.e. reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And I think we're all trying to recycle, we're all trying to do the right thing, uh, but the adaptation uh, challenge or imperative has, uh, has uh, become much more important in recent years and uh, maybe 10 years ago. Howard, where do you stand on on the push at the local level for this? Uh, well, that's just to amplify on what Erwan said. Um, I, uh, uh, James Lee Witt, uh, who was former head of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, uh, made the comment, everything is local. Uh, and I think we've heard politicians indicate that as well for obvious reasons. And so in some sense, I think a lot of the push that can come at the local level could have impacts at the national level. And so in that sense, what Ben Oregon is thinking or what California is thinking, and let me just say a word about California, and everyone mentioned that, the California really is in a position where it can take adaptation measures and has taken adaptation measures with solar because they do get a lot of sun. They do have companies there that actually are pushing for uh, investment in solar and have some creative strategies that uh, will encourage people to adopt this uh, technology. And they can do a set of things uh, on the adaptation side. Uh, when it comes to the mitigation or reducing greenhouse gas, then you really have a, m- a much larger problem with respect to how each of these communities are going to deal with it. But I think that the point of actually having communities and states take the leadership role, particularly given the theme of this discussion, that it may not be part of the national political discussion, but it can be part of the local level, could then spur some action at the national level. And that is one way that we might want to go. How would you like to see this uh, this play out in the short term, Howard? Because we are at an interesting time where, as you both just alluded to, we're in this spot where so much is being talked about at the national level, yet so much is pushed aside. I mean, we want to push the 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 the, the discussion further, uh, but I, I I just get the sense that this is going to end up being a topic that will end up being being moved to to January or February at the earliest. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you one thought on that, uh, and that uh, that is that if we could have some good examples 
of how communities and states are addressing this issue, and you raised Florida and Louisiana as two critical states that are concerned about it for good reason, and use these as a way of having strategies that they can take and that they feel need to be taken to both mitigate in terms of reducing greenhouse gas emissions and adapting to this measure, Mm -hmm. that could serve as models not only for other communities, but also catapult this to a national level because there will then be a basis for saying, here are some things that we should do on a broader level. And that's one way to go. And it's certainly something that, just to say, that our our risk center has always favored case studies, uh, concrete examples of how one can be successful. And California with solar is an example of how one can push this on a broader level, not just in that state, but across the country and, frankly, across the world, with India hopefully doing some things. So I think that that's probably the best way to, at least in my view, to go forward in the short run, is good case studies, concrete examples of success stories that have had payoffs in the short run so people see that they're beneficial and it isn't just solving the long-run problem but also uh, providing some benefits in the short run that people can actually capitalize on. Erwin? Uh, just to remind the, uh, the listener, actually, that that environmental issue shouldn't be a necessarily a political issue. Uh, we all have short-term memory, but the EPA was actually created by uh, the Nixon administration. So right. being a conservative actually is, is about conserving, uh, including the environment. So the question should be, how do we make America more competitive and how that uh, fight against uh, climate-related risk uh, will help uh, create new jobs, new technology, new product, and make us more competitive. I think we combine the two good cases, uh, best practices with that political world to not only fight against the topic of each other, but actually look in the same direction. Uh, the delivery process may be different, but uh, clearly that will make all of us as a country more, more competitive moving forward, which should be something that's appealing to both, uh, both candidates. Great to have you both back on the show. Thank you, Erwan. Thank you, Howard. Good to be with you, Dan. Thank Thanks. you. Great to have you both on the show. Uh, Erwan Michelle Kajan, Howard Kunruther from the Wharton School and the Risk Management Decision Processes Center. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.